to the Nick and Nolan Show, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast with your host, Nick Bat. Sometimes I'll start a sentence and I don't even know where it's going. I just hope I find it along the way. And Bruce Nolan. I once worked with a guy for three years and never learned his name. Best friend I ever had. Welcome, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me for this edition of the Nick and Nolan Show, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Nick Bat. You can find me on Twitter at N-I-C-K-B-A-T. Along with me, as always, is not Bruce Exclusive. Actually, this week, he is not going to be joining us. Bruce is taking the week off. You guys all know how Bruce was working his ass off in the last couple of weeks, putting out podcasts with all the free agency signings and things of that nature that the Bills were doing. So we have given Bruce a little bit of a breather. This week, I am actually going to be airing a two-part episode or a two-part series, I guess you would say, with Eric Wood, former center of the Buffalo Bills. For those of you that don't know, Eric actually has a podcast of his own. It is called What's Next with Eric Wood. He started it shortly after he retired, uh, before he ever got on with the ACC Network and then with the Buffalo Bills as doing the, uh, the color analyst job with John Murphy. And he has been doing interviews with interesting people and leaders and things of that nature. His one recent episode, though, caught my attention and actually really captivated me. I don't have a better way to say it. And it was with former Bills quarterback EJ Manuel. Now you might wonder why would you be so captivated with an interview with EJ? Well, you know, for me, I have always found it very interesting how athletes are trying their absolute hardest and fans love them or hate them, sometimes irregardless of how hard the athlete is actually trying and what the athlete is actually trying to do. It's just based on the success that the athlete has. Well, EJ is a guy who came in high draft pick, tons of pressure, and, you know, was hopefully going to be the savior that was going to take the bills to respectability right in the middle of the drought, right? And obviously we all know that that is not how EJ's tenure with the bills went. And he was very candid and open and honest in his podcast conversation with Eric. And I I just, I don't have anything else to say other than I was really taken with it. I thought it was great listening. And I wanted to see if Eric would be willing to let us air a portion of that interview, just about 10 or 15, maybe 20, I think it's about 20 minutes long, where EJ talks about his time with the Bills and his experience with that. Uh, Eric said, yes, that that would be okay. And and I'm actually going to play a conversation that Eric and I had right now that intros this conversation that he had with EJ on his podcast. Eric will tell you a little bit more about his podcast and he'll tell you, you know, why he chose to talk to EJ and stuff like that. And then tomorrow on Friday, I will be back in your podcast feed and it will be me and Eric talking about the conversation that he had with EJ. So right now I'm going to play a a little short, brief conversation that Eric and I had, and then I'm also going to play the actual audio content from Eric's podcast and his conversation with EJ Manuel, where EJ is talking about his time with the Bills. Tomorrow I'll be back in your feed, and we'll go from there. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Eric, followed by his conversation with EJ. 
Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, welcome back, everybody. Thanks so much for uh, joining me for this episode of The Nick and Nolan Show. And with me now is our special guest today, Mr. Eric Wood, former center of the Buffalo Bills, current color analyst on the radio broadcast of the games with John Murphy. Eric, thanks so much for taking the time to join me today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure, Nick. So, Eric, what we're going to do today is talk about a conversation that you had recently with former Bills quarterback E.J. Manuel, a former teammate of yours. And you had him on your podcast a couple of weeks back, and we're going to play a section of that audio. But for anybody who may be listening to this that isn't familiar with your podcast or what you've been doing with that, why don't you share a little bit about where your podcast came from and what you're trying to accomplish with it and stuff like that? Yeah, my podcast is called What's Next with Eric Wood, and it's available on every uh, major podcast platform. So um, it, it, Apple One, I always promote, but but really they're available anywhere. And, and when my career ended, I, I didn't really know which direction I was going to go in, but I wanted to start creating some content. I, I wasn't uh, I wanted to get into maybe the sports media world. I maybe wanted to get into broadcasting. I was 100 percent sure, but I wasn't getting a lot of calls. So I needed to create some content practice my interview skills, uh, seeing that I've always been on the opposite end of, uh, I've always been the interviewee, not interviewer. And so um, I wanted to practice that. So um, I, I, I met with a guy and we came up with this concept. We called it What's Next with Eric Wood. And it's basically me kind of going on a journey where I interview guys that uh, or interview individuals that I, I have a lot of respect for and, and they could be uh, successful in any number of areas. I've had everyone from country music singers that have multiple number one hits to former teammates of mine, professional ball players. I've had um, former NBA players. I've had pastors, business guys, and whatever it may be. Um, and, and I've just learned a ton along the way. So I appreciate anybody um, that, that, that tunes into it. If you rate it, review, subscribe, um, we, we release them every week or every two weeks. Um, and, and it's been a lot of fun to do. Awesome. So when you had the opportunity or whenever you first had the thought, maybe you, you know, from the get-go, you knew you wanted to speak to EJ, but what, what crossed your mind and what were you hoping was going to come out of a conversation that you could have with him that you thought was going to be good for you to put together on your podcast? Yeah. So I was always close with EJ when he played in Buffalo and not just close because he had his hands under my butt taking snaps from me. We were close in general. He came down to the Kentucky Derby and stayed with me and my family. Um, and, and we just got along really well. I had a lot of respect for him, his work ethic and all that. 
Well, we're now colleagues at ACC Network as well. So last summer at the ACC um, Media Day, we connected and we had dinner that night and we had this long conversation about our time in Buffalo and what we both want to get into, what our goals are in the industry. And I said, man, that should have been a podcast. I, I wasted that. And I was going to call him up uh, and, and do a podcast over the phone, but I knew our paths would cross again. And EJ was coming into town, into Buffalo uh, for my roast up there. So he was going to be one of the roasters roasting me. So I, I, I set it on the calendar for us to record a podcast when he came in town for that. And I didn't realize that was the first time that EJ had been back to Buffalo besides the play against the Bills since his time here. And EJ is just a phenomenal man. He's got a great story. Um, you know, he had he had a solid, solid career in the NFL, but a, a great college career. It was a huge high school prospect. We talk about a number of things. We, you know, he mentions how close him and his dad are and the impact his dad's relationship had on him. Um, but EJ showed great vulnerability through the podcast. And um, he had, he had reached out to me multiple times since being back in Buffalo for the roast and doing my podcast and doing the roast and feeling the reception from all the Buffalo fans that have listened to him on the podcast and were at the roast. He just talks about how good that was for him um, and good for his soul. And you'll hear it through some of the clips that you'll play. And as well, if you tune in and go back and listen to the full podcast, you'll, you'll get a glimpse of what I'm talking about. Yeah, absolutely. I, and I have to say, that's really what I found so captivating about it whenever I heard it just as a regular audience member of your podcast. And what I was excited that you and I have been able to connect and that we're going to share here is you guys were having a conversation about, actually it started, and I'm not going to play this part of the conversation, so there'll be plenty that people can go back to your actual podcast and listen to that episode and hear a lot of other things, but what we're going to specifically play is where EJ talks about his perspective on what sets quarterbacks up for success in the NFL and then how he sort of experiences that or how he thinks he experienced that in Buffalo, how he thinks about how he experienced that in Buffalo. And he's very candid about some of the things that, that he had issues with, with his confidence and stuff like that. And yeah, so there's plenty for people to still listen to that we're not gonna that we're not gonna play on this. But it all started when you guys he asked you actually a question about zone reads, and then you guys talked about the college game, and then that he went to FSU because of Jimbo, and that you know he was gonna get better quarterback coaching there. And then all of a sudden it transitions where he starts kind of going into his experience with the Bills and the NFL and coming in and, and learning new things and stuff like that. Is there anything else before we play that for people today and then tomorrow you and I will be on again and. and we'll have a, a larger conversation where you share some of your thoughts about what he said. But before people listen, is there anything else you would say about this clip? No. And, and I think EJ spot on, uh, you know, in, in what he thinks sets quarterbacks up for success. We have a great conversation on it. And, you know, it's just, it's tough for quarterbacks in, in that come out of college and go into a situation like EJ did in Buffalo. You had a first year offensive coordinator in Nate Hackett who just came from the college game. Doug Barone had never been a head coach before, and EJ didn't really have anybody to learn from. Kevin Cobb was there just through training camp, and Cobb was there competing with EJ. Not, not similar to the situation right now with Matt Barkley and Josh Allen in Buffalo, where Matt Barkley is there as a veteran presence to teach Josh how to prepare on a day-to-day -day basis, teach him how to be a pro you know, come off the sideline and Matt Barkley's helping him. Hey, this is this is the look the defensive backs are giving you. This is where they're tipping their coverage. 
EJ had none of that. And and for me, I was always trying to pour into him, but there's only so much I can do from the center position. And I just like that was a really tough start to EJ's career for him to really not have any type of uh, veteran structure in the room and, and just not a ton of experience in the NFL game um, in the coaching staff on the offensive side of the football. All right. Well, we hope that you guys enjoy this clip of the episode of the uh, What's Next with Eric Wood podcast, where he spoke to EJ Manuel. Come back tomorrow, and there'll be another episode of the Nick and Nolan Show, where me and Eric talk more about the things that EJ spoke about. Thanks so much. As a rookie, when you have a rookie quarterback, and I can attest to this from my career, you have to do things that he did well in college. That's why you picked him first, second, third round. That's why you pick the guys early to be, whether they're going to be a starter, the rookie, you know, the first day as a, you know, as a player, or, you know, whether they're a starter in two years or three years, you do what they do well, because why try to morph a guy into a system that he didn't play in in college? Like, if you don't know that he can have success in it, why, why, why put him in that? And, and I've, I dealt with that. I mean, I love uh, Nathaniel Hackett, but I remember, you know, Nate was teaching me some things that you know, I had never done. So I remember like the punch step and all that kind of stuff. And it sounds minute, but I remember a rookie minicamp, you know, instead of just taking a snap and just dropping back, he had me, he had me like step, step. It was just kind of weird. And so it threw off my timing as far as my drop and things like that. So I just say little small things like that, you know, for a rookie quarterback kind of convoluted because you're already thinking a million miles per Mm -hmm. hour anyways. You know, you're dealing with all pros. You're dealing with you know, guys that you kind of looked up to as a college player, and now they're in the huddle looking at you. Like, I remember you getting in there, Freddie, uh, CJ, Stevie Johnson, you know what I mean? Like, it was a, it's a lot of, I ain't going to say pressure, but it's just you're, you're nervous, you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. you want to do the right things. You want to say the right things. You want your teammates to respect you. But then when you're also thinking about the technicality of getting from your drop to the five-step drop just to throw a ball, it was tough, you know. So that that's why when I saw how Pat Mahomes and Andy Reid were, and I was with them a few months ago, uh, during the off season, and we'll get to that. But I saw the rapport that they had with each other. I mean, it was open mode of communication, bro. And this is obviously a, a year after Pat had won the MVP anyway. So, of course, you know, he and Andy are super tight. But you could just tell. You know, I think one thing Pat benefited from was having Alex there, Alex Smith, mm-hmm. uh, his first, what, 15 games of the season, his rookie year. And uh, then I think Pat played his 16th or the last game of the season and balled out and then obviously became the starter his second year. But he had a chance to learn. He had a chance to sit. He had a chance to watch how Alex, you know, came to meetings, how he talked to his teammates, uh, how he addressed the coaches, how he said, like, hey, I, I like this play. I don't like this play. And, and all those things. And I feel like that – and I'm sure Pat would tell you that. Pat would be like, man, I, I, I was blessed because I had a, really an all-pro, maybe a Hall of Famer, Right, I, I don't know. What would you say, Alex Smith? Maybe close. Not to at this point. Not at this if he point, wouldn't but, have broke his leg, if he would have yeah, had some success, if he wins a Super Bowl sure, somewhere sure. potentially. But I mean, he's a great player, a great quarterback in this league for a very long time. So you know, I, I feel and like, a phenomenal human being, yeah, great guy, be exactly, around, yeah. exactly. So I mean, I, I feel like when young quarterbacks get that opportunity to learn from an older dude, especially when, like you said, it's a good guy too, not just like okay. You know, uh, like when Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers, what we all heard, like, you know, Brett wasn't really rocking with Aaron or whatever. Mm -hmm. But when you have a guy that kind of takes him under his wing and doesn't mind, you know, showing him the ropes a little bit, I think that goes a long way. And we mentioned the alphas in hometowns and alphas in the business. When you have two alphas in that quarterback room and you have Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers hasn't got along with many quarterbacks. Right, right. Especially someone that comes in and tries to compete with them. I remember uh, my buddy Brian Brom 
going up to to Green Bay, and, and they liked each other. Sure. They hung out Kentucky Derby oh, yeah. and all that. But those two guys both wanted to be the starter. Right. A great backup quarterback in the NFL mm-hmm. is a guy who takes his, role takes his role as the backup, and he wants to do everything he can to help that starter. Yeah. And we'll just transition to this. I yeah, had yeah. it for a little bit later, but you know, you come into Buffalo as a first round draft pick, and in your rookie training camp, mm-hmm. Kevin Cobb, who was supposed to be that guy for you, right. gets injured, yep. and you lose him. That was supposed to be your mentor, and now you know. I almost take that role as your center, <laughs> you which is no, like, I, and I poured into yeah, you, you did. and I would do anything in the yep. world for you. You knew that. Yeah. yeah. Reminding me on stuff. Yes, bro, you did. But there's only Huddle so much calls. I can do from the center position. Yeah. How much do you think that hurt your career yeah. trajectory, just not having someone like that in <laughs> Buffalo early on? Bro, so I was telling somebody this story maybe a month ago. So I looked back at our quarterback room once Cobb left because Cobb had – I think he hurt his knee. Didn't he slip on like a tarp or something like that? Walking yep. to walking to walk through or something. So he hurt. Which his is just knee. classic Bills yeah. that like we had a, a just, turf mat we were running from practice field to practice field that yeah. we could slip on. Sure, right. Your exactly. starting quarterback, exactly. Could. Which he which happened to him. And I thought you know I was playing well in training camp. You know for a rookie. You know what I mean I was making some plays. I remember throwing uh, a touchdown to Marquise uh, Goodwin on like a two minute drill, which gave me a bunch of confidence. I had got a chance to go with the ones maybe or maybe the twos, whatever. And so I was like, all right, cool. You know, and then I'm still thinking that Cobb's going to be – because that's what they told me when I first got here, okay. You know, I remember uh, Doug, uh, Doug Whaley, Coach Marone, they were like, hey, you know, we want you to learn from Cobb, which I'm like, all right, cool. You know what I mean? I'm still going to obviously apply pressure because I'm a competitor. But I was actually excited to get that chance to learn and just see, you know, because Kevin, you know, Kevin had made money in the league. He mm-hmm. played. He's had success. So I was like, great. And so <clears throat> once he got hurt – then I remember, okay, now it's me and Jeff Toole, who I love. But we're both rookies, you know what I mean? Like, And he's an undrafted rookie Undrafted agent, rookie, right. And yeah, I love Jeff yeah, Toole as love much him, as love anybody. Him, love him, but, but I that, mean, we just have no experience, right? And then we got Nathaniel Hackett, who had no experience in the NFL as far as being an offensive coordinator, quarterback coach. We didn't have one. So I guess Nate kind of encompassed that as well mm-hmm. as the OC. And then you had Coach Marone, who was also a first-year NFL head coach. So – I look at I look back at it and I'm not blaming anybody. I would never like my dad raised me to not not make excuses, right? But as far as when I looked at other like my other friends who are rookie quarterbacks like Derek Carr and Pat Mahomes, uh other guys that had that infrastructure kind of there to like help them grow, I didn't have that. And so, you know, obviously guys like you helped me cuz I I remember getting in the huddle and I might have forgot like the last two bo- two words in the huddle call and you like da 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 I'm like all right let's go ready yeah. break you know what <laughs> I mean like I remember all that so when I'm thinking of this rose I'm like how can I even joke he would like this dude literally well, saved me in a lot of situations but I still got some good stuff but nonetheless um yeah it, it definitely it definitely hurt the trajectory and also I had some injuries too I know you remember that I hurt my knee my second preseason game tore my meniscus got surgery and I was back for the New England game in, like, three weeks. That's crazy. Like, you think about, like, tearing your meniscus, then you're playing in three more weeks. That's And your extreme. first start of your first rookie start ever year against Tom New Brady. Yes. Yeah, like, at home, which was good. And we almost beat him. I mean, it was a close game. We should have beat him. We should have beat him. I, I love Stevie Johnson to death. Yes, he made bro. so many great, great catches. Plays, but yeah. he dropped the ball on yep. third down at the end of the game. That yep. ice is the game. Yep. And yep. and, he, and once he dropped it, it gave them the opportunity to, get it back to come and back. They had a fourth and three that they just barely converted yeah. on that game-winning drive. Yeah. And then um, – That was crazy. And then – so, I want to ask you what your favorite moment from your career in Buffalo was just because there's a ton yeah. of people from Buffalo that will listen in. Let me say mine while you think of that one. Okay. Mine is the very following week. Mm-hmm. 
we come back and beat the Carolina Panthers. Yeah. I don't know if they had made the playoffs. The yeah, previous, no, they, did. They, did. they made the playoffs the previous year, so it's mm-hmm. game two of the season. Yep. They come into Buffalo. We should have beat New England, yeah. obvious playoff team, right. in the first game. We should have mm-hmm. beat them. Then the second week, we beat them at home yeah. and, and on a game-winning touchdown pass yeah, in the Stevie. corner to see. So he makes yeah. that one. And um, I tackled him in the end zone, <laughs> and, and we just had so much yeah. fun yeah. throughout that win. But yeah. uh, well, I, I remember, I remember throwing that, and uh, I remember like crying. I remember CJ came up and said, "Baby boy, get your," <laughs> he like, "Get your ass up, whatever." Yeah, and uh, just excited. You know what I mean? We were both all. Everybody was elated, man. That was my first victory, and actually, that was against Coach McDermott. So I feel like Coach McDermott remembered that because when we played you guys when I was in Oakland, and I came back here, and I'll never forget this. I talked to you, of course. I think I caught up with uh, – Lee was with us. So, who else did I talk to? A couple other guys, maybe Jeff. Kyle right? Williams. Yeah, Kyle, all those guys, right, that were my teammates when I was there in Buffalo. And then Coach McDermott came up to me, and he shook my hand and looked me in the eye. He said, hey, man, they treating you all right here? And I was like, yeah, Coach, you know, it's pretty good. But at the time, I was – honestly, I was still, like, anti. I was like, yeah, I'm glad to be out of there, like, whatever. Like, I moved on, whatever. And to me, I guess once I stepped away from the the – I guess the overall view of how I thought Buffalo fans perceived me, which was not good. You know, I thought, like, they don't like me, they don't this, they don't that. And back then I was younger, so I cared a lot more about what people thought of me. Right. And we all go through that as as young men, as as young athletes. And so, you know, I just – I didn't realize that Coach McDermott really was asking, like, hey, are you good? Like, is everything okay? You know, and I felt like he cared about me. You know what I'm saying? Even though he wasn't my coach, he was a new coach in Buffalo, he kind of saw what happened there and things like that. So he was the D.C., uh, for Carolina that year, but I would say my favorite memory, man. Um, uh, all right, I would say when we beat the Jets, and you may not remember this like specifically, but the first time we played the Jets in New York, my rookie year, they trashed me. Like we looked so like we looked bad as an offense. I remember trying to make checks for all that uh, zero looks and stuff that they yes. were giving us. And Nate, the the week before, he's like, "Hey, well, look, if they bring down the safety, do this, send the line right, or send them left, or whatever." And keep a lot, keep a running back in for protection, all this kind of stuff. And so they would show the look, and then you know get out of it. They would just play coverage, or they would not. They would play coverage and then bring zero. And it didn't help that we were getting trashed up front during that game. Yeah, Wilkerson so, was like, getting crazy. Like so, it was tough. You know what I mean? Like, and then they had another DN, Sheldon Richardson. Sheldon was good, but they had another guy, ninety-seven with really long arms. Uh, he was old. Calvin Pace. Calvin Pace, who was good. You know, he wasn't. The best, but he was solid. He so was, they were dropping in coverage and only bringing four, but they were getting but, home but fast. Then, but then we were still blocking up seven, so then they're in coverage. Nobody's open. You know what I mean? So right. I, couldn't, I couldn't catch on to it. And I started seeing ghosts as a rookie, and what that means is you start seeing things that aren't there for our fans listening at home. And so then I, was, I got hurt a few weeks after that. So I remember Coach Hackett's dad, Hackett Sr., Paul Hackett Sr., or maybe not Sr., but Paul Hackett came in, and I remember watching tape with him who was an awesome dude, very patient in the film room. And I don't even know if you knew this, but I stayed back and watched tape with him for maybe like five or six days yeah, I didn't when, know when I wasn't playing, yeah. And uh, we started – we might have played the Jets for th- in three weeks ahead, and I knew I would be healthy enough to play the Jets by the time we got there. So we're just going over all the looks on their defense, like, all right, Rex is going to do this. This is what they do on third down. This is what they do on third and four. This is what they do on third and seven. And I got a chance to start that game. And if you remember, we beat the Jets. And I remember I made some checks to, like, Hogan on, like, just a simple out route. And I remember I checked it. I saw the look. They played man. 
they were low, low safety. So I was like, all right, zero's coming. Made the check, hit Hogue for a first down. I was like, all right, let's go. You know what I mean? And was so, that when we knocked them out of the playoffs? Yeah, it was and, late in the season. Yes. They came here and played us. Yeah, rookie year. So yeah, that after that game was one of the weirdest feelings I've ever had post game in my entire life. Because okay. Ryan Fitzpatrick, one of my greatest friends in yeah, the world, yeah, is yep. a starting quarterback yep. for them. Yep. And they, if they beat us, they go to the playoffs. Sure. If they lose, they're out. Yep. And I hated I hated the Jets. Yeah. I I hated Rex before he yeah. came here. I love him as a person. Love him now. We still text, of course. and I love playing for him. But like he, when you play against him, he's yeah, just yeah. that big yeah. bold personality, uh, and you're yeah, like, oh, I hate sideline. this dude. Yeah. And like for me, trying to dissect the defense yeah. and all that, we're like, man, we hate these guys. Yep. We do not want them to go to the playoffs. Yeah. But Fitz didn't play well at all. Yeah. And just how crushed he was after that game. But I was <laughs> yeah. so happy because we knocked them we knocked out of the out. playoffs. I know. I know. It was like one of the weirdest feelings yeah. for me. And our season was over regardless. But but as a competitor, like. I don't care who's over there. I want to beat them. Beat them, yeah. But I had that weirdest feeling. But that's that's a great yeah. story. That's it, the first one that comes to mind. And it was more so like you know, it, it really taught me resiliency, bro. Like that's probably the biggest thing I learned here in Buffalo is like I could I I now know I can go through anything. You know what I mean? And I remember getting booed in the preseason game. We were playing Tampa Bay and we weren't playing good. Couldn't get anything going on offense. Uh, my second year, and just remember putting all that pressure on myself. When, you know, that's part of the position. But, you know, looking back on it, I was telling someone yesterday, like, if I came to Buffalo now at 29 years old, if I came to the Bills and if I was still playing all that kind of stuff, like, what I, what I know now as a man, uh, I would be able to handle all of that way more than I was able to or than I did when I was, like, 22, 23. You know what I mean? No doubt. And uh, that's part of growing and it's part of just life and growth. But, you know, back then, bro, I was – a I was just a wreck, you know what I mean? Like, I didn't have that confidence that I had when I was at Florida State. Although I still was, I still could play, you know what I mean? It just was – it wasn't consistent. My mind wasn't there, and especially once a few things happened to me, obviously getting benched. I'm sure we'll get to all this stuff, but you know, I don't want to over, overhaul on the pod. But No, you're fine, Yeah, dude. and uh, when, when we played Houston, uh, my second year I, – I, what, what year was that for you, like seven? Um, I know you six, six or seven, six, yeah, yeah, six, yeah, yeah. I think. So OG by that time, and we're playing Houston. We're, we were beating Houston, if you remember. Yeah, we yep. were beating them. Uh, you know, I think threw Sammy a touchdown, and obviously I had that pass. Not obviously, so I threw a pass to Freddie in the flat. The line slid left, so we left JJ free, or maybe Sean Trail. Somebody was supposed to cut JJ to get his hands down, right? And I catch it. Same thing we worked in practice. I catch it. Threw it to the flat to Fred, not thinking JJ. I think I'm thinking his hands are down, so I'm like, all right, right got a free pass on the throw, and it would have been a first down. Play super soft on Fred, and so uh, JJ, being JJ, jumps up, tips the ball in the air to himself, catches it, and takes it back to the house. And so I saw that clip on Instagram maybe a month ago, and of course, the only reason I saw it because so many people started like, oh EJ, infamous EJ, and da da da, good old EJ, whatever, right? And so I was like, what is this? And I looked at it, and so the whole time. I guess previous to seeing that video, I thought that I just couldn't catch JJ. Right? I was like, yo, like he's the fastest dude. He's this big dude. Like he, I couldn't catch him. Sure enough, like uh, I think it was Kareem Jackson or somebody like blocked me. So that like, it actually made me feel better. I, the yeah. play sucked, but I was like, all right, I would have caught him if somebody hadn't blocked me, but whatever. So I just remember when that happened, bro. I remember my confidence went from here, like literally through this, like down here, you know? It's the loudest I've ever heard a stadium bro, in my life. What? When he returned that touchdown and they played turn down for Watt, yes, yes. it was the loudest yes, I've ever bro. heard a stadium I, to this day still. Dog, honestly, I never, in a, in a moment of playing football, I had never felt so defeated. 
in that moment. And that's just me speaking honestly on our, on right. our pod. And I had never felt so defeated. I remember putting my head down, which is something that I've always been taught to never do in anything, like school, football, life, whatever. I, I did that. And so we end up losing that game. And we're 2-2 two and two at the time. But the magnitude on me personally, I remember sitting in my locker. You may not remember this, E, but I remember sitting in my locker with my head down because I felt like I let the guys down, truthfully. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it was more – it wasn't just about me. I felt like I let, the, let the, the Bills fans down. I let the city down. I let you guys down, the leaders of our team down. And, you know, because our defense was playing decently well. Like Fitz – again, against Fitzpatrick. Right. Fitz actually had a good game that game too. He was throwing some deep bombs and nuke and all those kind of guys. But – um, New Cop or DeAndre Hopkins for our fans at home, but I just remember being really sad, bro. Honestly, and the next day <laughs> they called me into a, a meeting. I, I think I went to go watch the tape with Nate, with uh, Coach Hackett. We're processing it, cool, whatever. We're moving forward to next week, and then Doug calls me into his office, and he's like, "Hey, uh, you know, sit down, whatever." He's like, "Well, look, man," and we had Kyle Orton at the time, so he's like, "I want you to take a step back. I want you to learn. You never had a chance to learn." from uh from uh Kevin Cobb the year before because Kevin got hurt and mm-hmm. the IR. So we're gonna have uh Kyle be the starter. I want you to learn from him. You know, this isn't an indictment on you. You know, we still love you, we still this, we still that. And and so I was like I just remember being obviously like heartbroken. Right. Got to the car, called my agent, called my dad, crying, all this kind of stuff, sad, whatever. Just more embarrassed, I guess. You no, know what I mean? I hear just you. Embarrassed, you know? Because this is, like, really the first true adversity I had faced in sports. Like, for sports, you know, for you, too, it always came easy to us. You know what I mean? Like, we were just gifted. We were blessed with talent and favor also. People liked us, and they gave us opportunities. And so when, I'm, when that opportunity was taken from me, I learned that, like, okay, that loss of confidence or that show of loss of confidence to my team was more important than actually throwing that interception. You know what I mean? So that's, mm-hmm. like, a, a, that's something I learned. You know what I mean? Like, no matter right. how bad things are, if you're the leader – and I was. I was the assumed leader because I was a quarterback, right? And whether I was a first, second year, it didn't matter. You know what no, I mean? No, absolutely. You ran Still the huddle. the leader, exactly. Sure. And so um, that, that was the biggest learning lesson of my, my sports career at that point. You know what I mean? Like, can never, never look defeated, especially to your men that are looking at you for leadership, all right? And so that was, you know, that was another memory. Obviously not a fond memory, but, you know, definitely part of my, my life and things that I've learned and, Obviously, I ended up never getting my starting job, my full starting job back after that because Marone left and he went to Jacksonville. Then Rex came in and he brought in his own guys. I felt like they pretty much were trying to get me out of Buffalo anyways. They brought in Ty and they brought in uh, Matt, Castle. Matt Castle. And I still played well in the preseason, so I guess that kind of – You afford- played really played well. Played really well, yeah. And it kind of afforded me to, uh, a roster spot at least. And I remember Giro uh, coming to me before the first game and I'm getting dressed and he's like, hey, you're going to be inactive. I was like, what's that mean? <laughs> I didn't even know what inactive meant. Right. And so he was like, well, it means you put your sweatsuit on, you come out and watch the game. And so I'm laughing about it now, but in the moments, bro, that's why I say, like, there were so many series of events that were, like, just, like, just hurt. You know what I'm saying? Just right. hurt my confidence. And so, yeah, bro, it's just, you know, but it's all a learning experience. And I know that I went through these things, and there's more that I could talk about. I went through all these things to share with either my son one day or with my daughter if she plays athlete or plays sports or with a kid somewhere, and that's why I'm excited to do what I'm doing now with the ACC Network. Right. I try to pour that into the kids in college just so they can have an understanding of like, hey, man, it's not always going to be super sweet. You might go in the first round. You might go in the second round and all that. You might you want to make good money, all that kind of stuff. But still, just be prepared for, you know, the learning lessons because they're going to come. Yeah. And, man, you, you oh, man, I, I really appreciate your vulnerability right there. Yeah, just being Honestly. real. Yeah. Well, that'll do it. I hope that you guys enjoyed that 
conversation. Again, I, I thought EJ's vulnerability, I thought his candidness, I thought his comments about his time in Buffalo uh, were just really, really interesting. I mean, I, I, just really, really interesting. A, a kind of forthcomingness. Sometimes it's hard to get. I thought EJ was just very likable. I don't know. I don't know what to say other than I, I found it terribly interesting, and I hope that you did too. It's easy to forget, I suppose, as time goes on, what these guys were like whenever they were a part of the organization, especially whenever they you know, didn't contribute to the team uh, turning the corner in the way that everybody you know hoped that they would. So... Again, tomorrow I will be back in your feed and I'm going to play a conversation that Eric and I had about this interaction that he had with EJ, about the things that EJ said, about what Eric thought about things at the time and his experience being in the locker room, you know, on the other side of things. So I, I hope that you all will like that. I, I found that conversation also very interesting. And I also wanted to plug Eric's podcast. So it's called What's Next with Eric Wood. You heard him speak about it. An episode dropped this week with Kyle Williams, and in it, I mean, there's a, there's a comment that Kyle made. It's only about 20 seconds long. I'm going to play it in one second. But Kyle spoke about Buffalo and about the fans and about what the fans want from the players, and it is almost like pure catnip to Bills fans, I think. So take a listen to what Kyle had to say about his time in Buffalo and about what it was like being there and what Bills fans wanted from him. You know, we got an opportunity to play in a place that celebrated grit as much as they celebrated talent. Mm -hmm. You go to a lot of these places and like you talk about measurables and this and that and one-handed catches, but in Buffalo, they'll put their finger on you and say, you see that cat right there? That dude gives you all he's got all the time, every day, all day. And I like him. Indeed, man. That was why we liked Kyle, for sure. You know, so anyways, I play that just so you guys know. Eric dropped a great podcast this week, in addition to all the other ones that are in his feed that he's been dropping for the last year or two. So head over there, check that out, and come back and join me tomorrow. And listen to me and Eric talk about this conversation that he had with EJ Manuel and about his time in the locker room with EJ and his time with the Bills in general during that tenure. And... I also wanted to let you know that it's funny, you know, this Kyle Williams conversation that Eric had, uh, I was talking with Eric and he told me that he actually had a little bit of other audio from the Kyle Williams interview that he had. And uh, I'll play it for you right now. This is one piece of audio that Eric shared with me that's also from his interview with Kyle, but I don't think you're going to hear it on his podcast. I do the cha-cha like a sissy girl. I like a do the cha-cha. 